You know, now for several weeks, I guess five or six weeks, we've been uh, studying on Sunday night, witnessing through our testimonies. And the Lord has convicted me to, to lead our church and to learn how to witness. It's different than it was two years ago. We were able to go out into people's homes on a church-wide outreach, and now so many people really don't want you to come in their homes, and so we're going to have to really do it like God taught us to do it through Jesus when Jesus gave the Great Commission. And he says, Go ye into all the world. Now, the word go ye in the original is as you're going. So we're going to have to share our testimony and, our, and the gospel as we go out every day. Not like with the group visitation uh, on Thursday night, but every day as we go, we need to be sharing the gospel, sharing our testimony, inviting people to church. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we gave out tracts, and people came during a... Uh, an invitation time and picked up a pack of tracks, 10 tracks in a bundle uh, for the purpose to pray over those tracks and then hand those tracks out and all up in Pigeon Forge everywhere we went, uh, wherever we got gasoline or whatever, we would, uh, we'd leave tracks behind. We'd talk with and pray with the waitresses or waiters. And so that's what we're going to have to do to get the gospel out. And so people have been learning how to write their testimony. One of those is Jennifer Parker. And so uh, I asked Jennifer, uh, I said, how's it coming with your testimony? And she said, well, I've rewritten it two or three times, four times maybe. And uh, I said, well, how about you like to share it? And she said, well, I've been praying about that. And I said, what about Sunday morning? And she, I said, just pray about it. Feel led to do it. That's fine. And so uh, she said, you know, I've rewritten this so many times, I just need to share it now. And so she's coming this morning uh, to share her testimony. And Brother Terry's going to sing right after she uh, shares. Jennifer, if you'll come. And uh, when you get up, I'm going to pray for you. thought that would speed you up. Father, I thank you for a time that... Uh, we have now to listen to Jennifer as she shares from her heart what you've done in her life. I pray you'll give her that peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, I know she'll glorify you as she shares about her Savior. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I think most of y'all probably know who I am. Um, my name is Jennifer. I have been coming here faithfully for about three and a half years. And, and God has been dealing with me about sharing my testimony. I have shared bits and pieces of my past with my Sunday school, with Brother Sammy. But I have never stood up and shared my testimony. And I feel like God is saying, it's time. You've got to tell people what I've done for you. And as I stand up here, I just pray that you... You don't see me. I just want you to see Christ. I want to be hidden behind him because my identity is in him now. And you may hear the sound of my voice, but I pray that it is his words that come out of my mouth because it's not a story about me. It's not what I've done. It's not what I deserve, and it is not what I've earned. It is a testimony to God's amazing grace his faithful, relentless love 
in his awesome power to save and change lives. I was raised in church, and I don't mean we went on big holidays and special occasions. My mama had us there for Sunday school, worship, Sunday night, Wednesday night, VBS, youth trip. If the doors were open, we were there. I knew right from wrong. I knew about God. I was taught the story. Jesus was born of a virgin. He came to this earth. He was crucified. He rose from the dead. It was just a story to me. I had the head knowledge, but it didn't mean anything here. And as I got older, I stopped going to church altogether. And my, one of my greatest regrets is that I did not raise my children in church. My kids never saw me read the Bible. They never walked in and saw me praying. And I urge you parents, get your kids in church. Don't give them an option. Don't give them an excuse. Make them be here. Because there will come a day when you want them to be here and you can't make them. Get them here. <clears throat> I started drinking when I was young. And it started like it does with most people, I'm sure. It was the weekend, so I'd have a beer here and a beer there. And then it was, well, it's the week. It's during the week, but I've had a tough day. I'll just have another drink. And then it was every day. I smoked pot. I took pills. I got on crystal meth. And at my worst, I would wake up in the morning, I would brush my teeth, and I would take a shot of vodka. And anybody who tells you that alcohol is not a problem, anybody that says it's legal, it's okay, is a liar. And that deception comes straight from Satan, the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. Alcohol kills and it steals and destroys. It ruins lives. It breaks apart families. And nothing good ever comes from alcohol. It is the beginning of the road to destruction. I promise you that. I was arrested my first time for a DUI. I was arrested my second time for possession of a controlled substance and paraphernalia. I went to court. I had to meet with a court referral officer once a month for six months. My license was suspended and later revoked. I was put on color code. And for those of you who don't know what that is, I was designated a color by the court referral office and my color was blue and every single day for six months I had to call in and if my color was called sometime in that day between eight and five I had to go take a drug test for six months I don't I can't tell you how much money I spent on fines and tickets and court costs and lawyers and drug tests I was living a very immoral life. And I didn't care. I didn't care how bad I hurt my family. I didn't care that I walked away from my children and I was not the mother that they deserved and that they needed. 
And I don't even think I realized how empty I was because Satan has this way of making you think, you've got this. That sin is not that bad. Don't listen to those people. He has a way of making you think that. And I was trying to fill that void with alcohol and with drugs and with sex and with parties and with relationships. And it was pointless because those things may give you that instant gratification for a moment. But you wake up and you feel more empty and more alone day after day after day because we are not meant to be filled with the things of this world. We are a temple and we are meant to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus Christ gives you that fulfillment. Only he will satisfy. And I didn't know that then and I didn't care. My papa died in the middle of all that. And do you know, I had to ask my mom if I even went to my papa's funeral. Because I didn't remember. She said I showed up, but I was late. They had to postpone my papa's funeral because I was late. I just want you to have an idea in your head of the kind of person that I was. I was a terrible person. I was a terrible mother. But let me tell you the good thing about having a good, godly mama, and I know I'm blessed with one of the best. She never stopped praying for me. It didn't matter how many lies I told. It didn't matter how bad I hurt her. It didn't matter the shame I brought on my family. It didn't matter that I skipped family get-togethers, birthday dinners, Thanksgiving, Christmases. I didn't want to be around them because I couldn't drink there. I couldn't be high. I couldn't be messed up. It didn't matter. My mama never stopped praying. And I believe with all that I am that those prayers that came from her broken, humbled heart moved the heart of God. And he set his sights on me. And as Paul David Tripp said, once God sets his purpose, once he declares his will, his will will be done. There is no stopping, my God. And so right there, in the middle of all that alcohol and drugs and sin, in the middle of all that, in the mess I had made of my life, and I promise you, it was a big mess. My God met me there. I didn't have to get right and come to Him. He came to me. Because God takes us as we are, not as we should be. And then he gets to work. I started coming to church. And one night, after one of the night services, I went with Brother Sammy into his study. And we prayed. And I asked God to come into my life. And I asked him to forgive me. And I had a lot to forgive. But he forgave and he took those sins and he cast them into the sea as far as the east is from the west and he remembers them no more. And I know it's easy. When you hear somebody say, God changed my life, it is easy to blow it off. But I'm telling you, I'm standing here. God changed my life. I am not that person anymore. And if you don't believe me, ask my family. Ask my daughter. Because by the grace of God, she has forgiven me. And when I thanked her for that, that, that forgiveness that I don't deserve, 
My daughter said, Mama, why wouldn't I forgive you? You're not that person anymore. And I'm not. I have grown so much in my relationship with God. I have this joy. I have this peace inside. I am finally complete. And it is all Him. It is all Him. I have given Him control. And in our human minds, we think to give control is a bad thing. Because we want to be in control. We want to steer. But to give Him control has set me free. Y'all, I don't have to worry about my job. I don't have to worry about my health. I don't have to worry about this situation or that situation. I don't wake up every morning with my first thought being, i got to have a drink. I am not a slave to my addiction anymore. Because the Bible says the battle is not yours, it is the Lord's. And my Lord wins every battle. Every battle. There is nothing he wins. privileged to sing in this choir. I am honored to worship with this praise team. And I serve at the pleasure of my risen Lord and Savior. I don't know what he has in store for me. I don't know what his plan is. But I know he's not done because the Bible says, He who has started a good work and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, so he is not done. He has got a plan for me. And there's a scripture in it. I wrote it down because I don't want to misspeak it because I love this translation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16. And I think that there is someone here, someone listening, who needs to hear my story. I think you need to hear what God can do. He, he can and he will. He did. I mean, he did. And I think someone needs to hear that God loves you and will forgive you. And you don't need to hear it from the preacher because maybe you think the preacher has to tell people that. And you don't want to hear it from the Sunday school teacher who's never had a drink in her life. You don't want to hear it from the deacons and the church leaders who just seem to have it all together. You need to hear it from me, the worst of all sinners, because I was there. I was in that place. And I am telling you, God sees you, God loves you, and God will rescue you. I was an alcoholic, but God. I was a drug addict, but God. I was lost and headed straight to hell, but my God saved me. And he will save you too. He is amazing. He is, he is a miracle worker. All you got to do is take his hand and he does all the work. I mean, it's a win-win situation. Just, just take him up on his offer. You will not regret it.
And I also, while I'm up here, want to say thank you to Brother Sammy and this church because y'all have helped me so much. It matters being surrounded by godly people. It matters to go to church. It makes a difference being around people who love you. I have never, not once have I ever walked in this building and felt judged or condemned or shamed. I feel nothing but love and acceptance in this house of God. And I, I praise him for putting me here with y'all. I praise him for what he's done, and I praise him for what he's going to do because he is not finished. Thank you.
to me. gracious. Thank you, Jennifer, for sharing this morning. What a testimony. How that glorified God. Thank you, Brother Terry, for following up our praise team and all of you for worshiping. If you looked at your watch, it's about 11.45. If you think I'm going to finish at noon, you got another thought coming. I'm going to finish up. If you have to leave, that's all right. But if you will, turn to a familiar passage, John 3, 16. Let's stand together just a moment. John 3, 16. Familiar passage. Look at your Bible or look at the screen. Let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and the promise that we find in it. We pray now that you'll forgive us of our sins. Thank you for this time we've had together this morning. Now speak to our hearts in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning I'm going to be sharing a sermon that I've just simply entitled, A Good Coping Skill. Now, we're going to find some more passages, so keep your Bible handy because we have several passages that we're going to look at. But I want to share with you about a good coping skill. A few years ago, I heard, I read about the son of a Hollywood star who died suddenly at the age of 20 years old. After the autopsy was performed, it was reported that this young man probably had died of an accidental overdose a prescription medication. Medication that was given for depression and anxiety and addiction. Metadrone. Metadrone. The reporter said, and I quote, it was obvious that this young man didn't have good coping skills. Now Webster defines the word cope as to strike, to contend, are to deal with successfully. And so in this particular case, this young man had grown up 
with a mother who was famous for her sensuality, famous for her sexuality, and her wild and boisterous lifestyle. And the only way that he had discovered to deal with problems and tragedies in his life was with alcohol and drugs. Now let me tell you, if you're not aware already, maybe Jennifer kindly shared the truth. Those are not good coping skills, alcohol and drugs. So we have to ask this question. Do I have a good coping skill to deal successfully with with those difficult times in my life? Do I have a... Do I have a good coping skill to deal successfully with difficult times in my life? Now, with that in mind, there are some who deal with their problems in negative ways. They have a negative coping skill or negative coping skills. Some turn to chemicals to cope with their problems. They smoke a joint. They pop a pill. They take a drink kindly to numb it. They take a drink to take the edge off. They smoke tobacco. They take a chew. They take a dip kindly to calm down or to soothe their nerves. I'm going to make myself perfectly clear. I'm not saying that chemical imbalances do not exist. I know better. I know that in certain situations, it's medically necessary that a person be prescribed something for depression and something for anxiety. There are famous preachers in the past and present who have had terrible times with uh, depression and anxiety. I have family members that have experienced the same thing. And so I know that in certain situations, it's medically necessary that a person be prescribed something for depression and anxiety. And I thank God that he made those things available to help those who struggle with mental issues. However, everyone must evaluate how they cope with negative emotions and who or what they put their faith in. Now, you may boast and you may brag, as maybe Jennifer was sharing her testimony. Well, I don't cope with my problems chemically. You cope one way or the other. Perhaps you cope with your problems with ways that are just as negative as the ways she coped with them. You may not be using chemicals, but you may be lying You may be refusing to face your problems. You may be lost in a relationship. You may be lost in another person and someone else thinking that just fornication, if I can just find someone that will love me, maybe I'll be all right then. May be lost in a relationship. May be stealing to, uh, to support your chemical dependency. You even may be in denial. Everybody's out of step but you. You may be moody. You may have your spouse and your children and everyone else around you just walking on eggshells. 
You may be lashing out at those that you should be loving the most. You may have a quick temper. These are negative ways you're coping with whatever you're going through. You may be cursing, using profanity. You may be isolating yourself. You may be coming home, going into a room and staying by yourself and just getting away from everyone where you won't hurt anyone but yourself when really you're hurting yourself and everyone in your household. You may repress your negative feelings just because you don't want to hurt anyone and you don't want to talk about it. So when life slaps you in the face, how do you cope with it? What do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Now, there are a number of problems that you and I face every day in this world. If there are 100 plus people in this worship center this morning, we have 100 plus individual problems or even more. We all go through those in life. And you're handling your problems in one of two ways. You're handling your problems destructively or you're handling your problems successfully. One of two ways. And so I want to be honest with you, above board. I, I mean, I want to be straightforward to you. I want to be to the point, And I want to be biblical at the same time. You'll never be able, keep this in mind, to live successfully in your life without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I don't care what you try, what you do, other than having Christ in your life, you're going to end your life as a failure. As a failure. Now, our problems can be divided into three categories. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. First of all, how can I cope and deal or cope slash deal successfully with problems involved with living? Problems with, involved in just everyday Living. How do you cope with problems in living? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Jot the scripture down. For the sake of time, I'm going to start reading. Verse 21 should be on the screen. Verse 25. You're familiar with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is it not, is life, not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you worrying can add one cubic to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Verse 29, And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need, need all these things. 
But seek ye first, verse 33, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We're told that the number one, the number one problem that we experience is being anxious and being worried about the necessities of life. What about my house? What about my clothing? What about my food? Notice what Jesus said in verse 25. He said in verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Just think of the birds. Jesus said, I've, I've housed them. I've clothed them. I've fed them. You don't have to worry. They don't worry. So the question is, how do you cope with your problems in everyday living? How do you do that? Well, you get a job. Well, I've got a job, Brother Sammy, and I'm trying to cope. From 7, I'm 7 to 3.30. But you know what? Trying to cope. I'll get another job. I'll get two jobs. One will be from 4 to 9 o'clock and I'll try to cope, and I'll get a third job, and I can work on the weekends. Is that how you cope successfully? No. Matthew 6, look what he said. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything that you're worried about will be given to you because of his love for you. And I promise you on the infallible, the inerrant Word of God that if you put Christ first in your life, all of your necessities in life will be taken care of. That don't mean you don't work. You know, the Bible says for the person that doesn't provide for his household, especially those of his own household, is worse than an infidel. He's not calling you an infidel. He's calling you something worse than an infidel if you don't provide for your family. But what he's saying, find a job, work, and I'll take care of your needs. All of your necessities in life will be provided for. I had a couple to come by the church this week. They were homeless, sleeping in the back of a pickup. A real nice truck, by the way. No money, no gas, ran out of gas here. Needed some help. We had, you know, uh, Brother Lane next door, he, he got the gas, and I said, I'll take care of your hotel room, our church will. We tried to put them up for the night, young couple, homeless. And I shared with those that I talked with, listen, if you want to get on the right track, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll take care of all these things that you're worried about and that you don't have right now, a home and clothing and food. So how do I cope with problems of living? You put Jesus first in your life. If you're having an issue right now with just daily needs, try putting Jesus first in your life. Secondly, how do I deal? How do I cope in a successful uh, how do I cope successfully in dying? In dying. Look, if you will, at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, nor does, nor does corruption inherit kingdom. Your flesh, your blood's not going to heaven. 
Behold, I tell you a mystery. In verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trump will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruption has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, saying that's written, death Swallowed, is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abiding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So there's some facts to remember in regards to dealing or coping with dying. We're going to die. That's a fact. Unless Jesus Christ comes first to carry us to heaven. We're going to die unless Christ comes. Second Samuel, chapter, jot this down, chapter 14, verse 14. For we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again, yet... God does not take away a life, but he devises means so that he has banished ones or not expelled from him. Jot down another verse, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 8. No one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit. Have you ever been in a room when someone's passed and you just want to do all you can to keep that spirit from leaving the body, but you cannot keep the spirit from leaving. It leaves. You stand in there, the doctor standing there, the surgeon standing there. No one has the power in the day of death. There's no release from that war. And wickedness will not deliver those who are given to it. Jot down, if you will, another one. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as though one man centered into sin entered into the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Jot down one more, Hebrews 9.25. Hebrews 9.25, familiar passage. Uh, Hebrews 9.27, I'm sorry. And it is appointed for man once to die. It is appointed for man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And so that's our appointment. We're going to die. The proof is, the proof of that is Judy and I, we had a baby to die in the womb. Stillborn. Some of you may have experienced that. The past three months, to prove this, the past three months, Russell High School has had three previous students ranging from 19 to 22 years old to die from injuries and automobile accidents. Kyle, our son, was the teacher of all three. Brother Ralph Beckenbach. Brother Ralph died just short, less than a year, being 100 years old. So what's the point, Brother Sammy? From the womb they die, all the way teenagers die, children die, teenagers die, young adults die, up to 100 years old die. We're going to die. So how do you cope with it? Well, you can pretend it's not going to happen. Some people do that. You can deny it's not going to happen. Some deny it. Some refuse to go to funerals. I'm not going to a funeral. They'll say, I'm not going to help with that funeral. I'm not going to be a... I don't like going to funeral homes. Maybe if I stay away from funeral homes, I won't be around death. You're headed to the grave. 
I mean, you can try to get your mind off of it. You can live as though that you won't die, but you're going to die. Those are poor, dangerous coping skills. Pretending and denying and refusing and trying to get your mind off of it and living like you're not going to. Those are poor coping skills. So how do you deal with death? First of all, you know the facts. Number one, death is certain. But number two, how you deal with it, you don't have to go alone. You don't have to go by yourself. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You don't have to make the journey alone. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43, verse 2. says this. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. He's never going to leave us. He's always going to be with us. You know, one of my favorite hymns, written in 1905 by C.A. Tinley, was entitled this. The title of that hymn was Stand By Me. You remember that? When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. When the world is tossing me like a ship upon a sea, Though thou who rules wind and water, stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the host of hell assail and my strength begins to fail, thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me. When I do the best I can and my friends don't understand, thou who know, knows all about me, Stand by me. In the midst of persecution, stand by me. When my foes in battle array undertake to stop my way, thou who say, Paul and Silas, stand by me. And when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. When my life becomes a burden and I'm nearing chilly Jordan, oh, the lily of the valley, stand by me. You don't have to go it alone. You're going to die, but you don't have to go it alone. John chapter 3, and I don't think you have this up there, but John chapter 3, verse 15, listen to this. John 3, verse 15. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 36, the last verse of that chapter. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life. And the wrath of God abides on him. And we don't have time. But John 4, 14 and 36. John 5, verse 24. John 6, verse 40. John 12, verse 25. John 17, verse 3. Nine passages in the book of John says, speaks of eternal life for every believer. So the point, one day this life's going to be over, eternity's going to begin, eternal death, eternal life. The question is, do you have the right coping skill for eternity to deal with your problems in the living? Do you have the, the right coping skill to deal with the problems in death and to deal with the problems with eternal life? Now the natural man, the lost person, the person that's not a believer, the person that's unsaved, the person that is a backslider for whatever reason has, have, they've turned their back against Christ, they will trust 
chemicals to deal successfully in life, in death, and eternity. And when you do that, my friend, you're going to trust in unsuccessful coping skills. They won't get you through life, death, or put you in eternity life. None. You can trust Jesus, Him alone. Try Him. That's the right coping skill. If you ever need a friend closer than your brother, try Jesus. If you ever need a counselor better than your mother, try Jesus. If you need someone to draw you closer to the Father, try Jesus. If you ever need a hand to help you step out of the water, try Jesus. He alone knows your condition. He alone knows your heart's intention. If you've ever needed someone to lay down their life for you, try Jesus. If you need a healer when the doctor walks, when the doctor walks away, friend, try Jesus. If you never thought you'd have the strength to face another day, try Jesus. If you need someone to walk with you to the end, try Jesus. If you never hear the words, I forgive you again, try Jesus. Try Jesus, he never fails. Try Jesus when doubts assail. Try Jesus, he never fails. If you ever need a friend, try Jesus. Have you tried Jesus? I'm going to close with this song. Listen to the words. It'll bless your heart and let God soften your heart where you'll come to a point in your life where you'll try Jesus. Listen to this and we'll close. If I were you I would have given up on me by now I would have labeled me a lost cause Cause I feel just like a lost cause If I were you I would have turned around and walked away I would have labeled me beyond repair Cause I feel like I'm beyond repair Oh, but somehow you don't see me like I do Somehow you're still here You're the God who stays You're the God who stays You're the one who runs in my direction When the whole world walks away You're the God who stands With wide open arms And you tell me Every time I thought I let you down Always thought I had to earn my way But I'm learning you don't work that way Cause somehow you don't see me like I do Somehow you're still here You're the God who stays You're the God who stays You're the one who runs in my direction when the whole world walks away, you're the God who stands with a wide open arms. And you tell me nothing I have ever done could separate my heart from the God who stands 
Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to be here this morning, what we've heard, opportunity to worship you and praise you. Thank you for the change, Lord, that you break, tear away from our lives that bind us, Lord, those sins that have us strapped down. Thank you, Lord, uh, for Jennifer and her testimony and how you've worked in her life. There's so many more that can share a testimony about their salvation. And Lord, but now's the time we make decisions. I pray for each person here this morning that they'll have the coping skill to live a successful life, to live life to its fullest, uh, a, the coping skill needed, Father, to, to die with, the coping skill to go out into eternity with, and that's you, to trust you, to give you full control of our life, to trust you as Lord, one that has all authority and power and control over our lives, to be led by your Lordship, to follow your will. Lord, you tell us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that you were raised from the dead, that we'll be saved. I pray for every person here this morning. Lord, those who have ne they've trusted in all different types of coping skill that the world has to offer that Satan puts before them. I pray today they'll stand up and say, I want to put my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ to help me in life and death and eternity. I pray they'll come today making that profession of faith. The other decisions, Lord, to get plugged in to serve here and, and Lord, to serve you what time we have left upon this earth. Thank you for what you're going to do in our time together and in invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me if you